This is a HeadGum Podcast. This is why, this is why, pop culture, politics, friendship, dating, work, parenting, news. This is why, the podcast. Welcome to the This Is Why podcast. I'm journalist, author, and comedy writer, Laura Lane. And I'm author and editor, Angela Sparrow. We are the co-writers of the book, This Is Why You're Single. Every week we give best friend advice on topics including pop culture, news, friendship, dating, workplace dynamics, parenting, and whatever else is on your mind. This week's episode is called Fairness in the Household. We will be answering your listener questions, including one listener whose partner isn't great at helping with tasks around the house. And then one of our listeners writes in to try to help name my baby. Then we're talking about what's in the news. Malia Obama gets a writing job and the most popular dog names in history. Important stuff. But first, (laughs) Angela, you've had a busy week. You went viral for, is this your first time going viral for a tweet? I feel like it's, it's not quite viral. It's like mini viral, you know? Okay. All right. Fair. I feel silly saying viral, but I did. So we're recording this. Yeah. You have like a, you kind of like test out joke material on Twitter, I would say, because it's not like you got, there's like, you, you like have a lot of jokes, but like they don't all have likes. Like it's kind of like, but you are a podcaster, like a known podcaster. And you, that is a very gracious way to phrase the fact that I just tweet and nobody likes my tweets, but I keep doing it anyway. I'm just saying you don't have like a ton of followers, but you like to be involved on the the Twitter. I like to talk to myself in a rubber room and that is simulated easily. You do social, yeah, you like, you social comment, you do social commentary on Twitter. Is that accurate? Yes, that is accurate. And you did that just as you always do, just as you always do, like your little social commentary, which by the way, is very witty and funny and like, like you, you might, you should be a famous Twitter person, but that's like impossible to do nowadays. It's like too late. Um, but you had your first viral moment. Tell us what happened. Well, I watched the, uh, the Britney Spears documentary from the New York times, which I think a lot of us did. Um, Hashtag free Britney. And I guess that I, I watched it like the night it came out. So I think that the thing is I just kind of fired off my tweet before anybody else did because um, I was really annoyed about the Diane Sawyer interview, which like I honestly well, tell us like about the interview. Like, like so, for yeah, people that we, have not. I think what's like, wild yeah. about it is we I think we all watched those interviews when they came out the first time and none of us were phased by it. Granted, we were all much younger then, but like the world is just so different now too. Like that that shit never would have been okay now. Um, because it was just like it was Diane Sawyer and Matt Lauer and David Letterman, I think. Just everybody just like picking on Britney and like blaming her for uh like like they the Diane Sawyer thing was they didn't like how she dressed um, and that it was inappropriate. And some politician's wife was like, they played a clip and she was like, I would shoot Britney Spears if I had the opportunity to shoot her because she's a bad influence on my children. And instead of Diane Sawyer, then, you know, coming out of that clip and being like, are you scared for your life? There's crazies out there. You're, you're just, you know, you're a pop star and like you're allowed to dress however you want. You're doing it for yourself. Diane Sawyer like acted like that clip was justified and had the total opposite reaction that she should have to a clip. And what did she say? 
It was so bizarre. So so Brittany gets like very emotional and she looks like she's going to cry and she's like, wow, that's terrible. And Diane Sawyer is like, well, she's a concerned mother. <laughs> so basically, I didn't even have anything clever to say about it. I literally just was like, I can't be- – let's talk about this moment Yeah, to, to where read this your, happens. Read your exact tweet. So my tweet was, there's lots to discuss in this Britney Spears doc, but feels like much more time needs to be devoted to the part where a politician's wife says Britney should be shot for the way she dresses and respected journalist Diane Sawyer is like, well, she's a concerned mother. That's all I said. BuzzFeed picked up on this because you got a lot of likes and it was like yours was a good because it was like very like almost like a thesis, you know, of that of that little moment in the clip and you kind of explain what happened, like whether you'd seen the documentary or not, you get that, like you explain what happened, you right. call it out. Like it was a good tweet and Buzzfeed picked it up in their like rundown of like, you know, like Diane Sawyer owes Brittany an apology. Right. Yes. But then, so Buzzfeed did. And then this like weird little blog that I have never heard of did. And that one was less like it wasn't like just a roundup of tweets. That one actually was like podcaster Angela Sparrett tackles right. Diane Sawyer, and I was like, oh, tackles, tackles, tackles. Uh, <laughs> but BuzzFeed put your tweet like first, also in their list. I was which first. That was that was what was like kind of the big thing because and which I thought was smart editorially because like I said your tweet kind of explained the situation very clearly, and then they had their kind of. Then they listed other people with their like little snappy one-liners. And um, and how many likes does your tweet have now at this point? <laughs> so I was just opening it to look. It's honestly not a very impressive number. I feel very silly even talking about it. But it's 807 likes and 182 retweets. So okay, still, you know, still, still, still. A modest, a modest success um, in indie box office for my tweet. Have but, any um, have any crazies come after you just for being alive like Britney? So just that's like what I was, like just Britney, like Britney, just like Britney. So, um, as soon as BuzzFeed picked it up, I was like, "Oh shit!" Like, there's gonna be crazy people. But then I was like, "This is so like." <laughs> I mean, I think across the political spectrum, we can all agree that that was uh, not an appropriate reaction. So and you then I was like, eh. and you and you weren't like Diane Sawyer should like. You know, I don't even want to cancel Diane Sawyer. She's yeah. an old fucking like. I think she should comment, perhaps, yeah, <laughs> and maybe talk about the sexism she's experienced in the industry. That would be interesting to hear about. But like, what? Like, I don't want to. I don't even believe in cancel culture. Whatever. I don't think it's real. I think it's something that it's fucking stupid. Conservatives cry about because it's just called consequences. But whatever. Anyway, um, so I got a bunch of comments from people. Most of them were like. Supportive, like, honestly, yeah. but I had two that I could not believe were actually trying to be contrarian about the whole thing. Um, so I screenshotted one. This is what he said to me. He said, "This was back in a time where people actually understood that actions of celebrities had profound impacts on their fans and attempted to hold them accountable. Now we align under PC culture where you must not step on any toes." And I was like, "Are you freaking kidding? Like, 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 yes. like you were calling someone out for." Like thinking it was okay for someone to say that a celebrity gets shot, like murdered for how they dress. Like, come on now. Like, yes. Like, I don't know. I I mean, this person's obviously not getting it. I don't think they saw the documentary. I don't think they saw the clip. I don't think they saw any of that. I, I don't know like how I feel about people in you know, position, you know, famous people, like they, they should know that their actions matter to some kind of degree, but, but I also don't, but this person's being an idiot. 
I mean, first of all, I think we can all agree that obviously uh, you shouldn't be threatened to be shot and killed for wearing a belly shirt. That has nothing to Brittany do with the n- culture. And I'm not talking um, about, but yeah, Brittany was not treated. And also, like, nothing that she did. She was like the good. She was still like, such a yes. Kid. She was just like especially a, a little to now. Yeah, she was just like expressing her sexuality. That's fine. We're women. We're allowed to do that. Yeah, and I also like like this like celebrities' actions impact their fans. Like how a woman dresses. I like really like that's really? a concern yeah. to no. you. Like no. I think that who is it? who the is kids are going to be fine the kid very bizarre reaction um yeah that's crazy to like course, also to tweet at you it's so weird it's just so weird but it's the internet so i should have known that <laughs> somebody was going to find some way to disagree so keeping me humble out here on al gore's internet but it was a it was a fun moment i kept refreshing it and being like and like coming into Ian and being like, guess how many likes I'm at. I liked. Getting, I'm very famous. I liked getting the Google News alerts and screenshotting them and being like, uh, Angela Sparrow, you're in the news. I got a Google <laughs> alert for you. <laughs> yes, yes, very uh, exciting. <laughs> I like that we both we had. I don't know. I guess like probably in 2013 when we started our sketch show and we were very excited. We set a Google alert for this is why you're single, Laura Lane and Angela Spera. And it's been a while. We haven't like been in the news in a while. We haven't. And what's fun about it is that it is through our shared email. So whenever yeah. one of us do something newsworthy, uh, we can both find out about it at the same time. I mean, at this point, I'm so scared of the internet. And I just, am, I think having children has been like a big wake up call for me where I'm just so scared of crazies and like so scared of crazies on the internet that I like you know, private Instagram. Like, I don't want, I don't, I do not want to be, I don't even want to be in the news. Like, I am so scared of it all. That's so scared of anybody, like, coming after me. I didn't um, engage with either of the people (laughs) who tried to argue with me. I did uh, screenshot it and then talk shit about them behind their back, but I didn't engage with them. Good, 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 good. I'm older and I've learned that that never goes well. No, no, no. And I am also afraid of crazy people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, very exciting for me. Big exciting times. Big thing. What what have you been up to? While you were going viral and I was screenshotting it, I was probably doing that while I was upside down trying to turn my breech baby around. Um this is just like your first pregnancy. Just like my first pregnancy. So for those that don't aren't in the know, I was born with half of a uterus, which means that my babe just has less room in the belly. It's a miracle that I'm able to carry children and I'm at risk for preterm delivery. It's a miracle. My son, you know, made it as far as he did. Hoping baby number two makes it so far. But anyways, with my half uterus, it also means that the baby doesn't have as much room to turn around. And for those that like are not familiar with this, babies, you know, they kind of move all around your belly some point, you know, their their heads up, then their heads down, then their heads to the side. But somewhere towards the end, they they are supposed to, they um, you know, usually they they flip around and are head down. I think facing your your spine. And let me see how many. Let me see. Let me get a percentage percentage of breech babies because I don't want to like say the wrong. Okay, th- only three to four percent of all pregnancies will result will result in a baby being breech. But I have a I am more at risk for this because of my my uterus. So I Rilo was breech. I had tried so many things to turn him. 
but he didn't. So I had a C-section. I absolutely hated the C-section. <laughs> I'm so grateful my baby's healthy, of course, all of that. I hate when people have to like even say that. It's like, yeah, duh. You know, like, yeah. like or people kind of um, invalidate the fact that you found it terrifying being cut open and that it was extremely painful and awful by being like, well, at least you have a healthy baby. It's like, yeah, no shit. Like, fucking duh. Like, yeah, of course that's number one. That's a given. I'm still allowed to like hate the experience. And yeah, of course I want a healthy baby. And like you could cut off my arm for my healthy baby, you know? Right. But I was really hoping to not have a C-section and to have what's called a V-back, which is vaginal after uh, vaginal birth after C-section, V-B-A-C, I think. And so I was like, I'm going to go even harder this time and I'm going to do even more. And my doctors had said, you know, he probably won't turn up to 30 weeks. So, you know, before then, like get this baby to term. So I, th- I thought I would tell you about what I was doing for the last two weeks. Okay. So I did acupuncture. They like do these little points on your toes to try to get the baby to turn with something called moxa where you burn like mugwort on the corners of your toes, cuticles, something energetically. I went to a chiropractor supposed to kind of line the spine so the baby has a little more more movement. Um, And I did this stuff called spinning babies, which is like a whole series of exercises and moves, including taking what's kind of like a scarf and having Nick like... I'm on all fours and Nick like puts the scarf around my belly and then like sh- kind of shakes it almost like we're like, you're kind of like, you're going to like shaking the baby, like get the right. fuck out of there and turn around. <laughs> um, and I did all these exercises. I did like a ton of yoga. Just, you want to be like constantly moving. If you want your baby to move, you got to move. So I was like working out a lot, doing a lot of yoga. Like I was doing this like two hours a day for two weeks. And I, you know, spoiler alert, didn't work. Oh, <laughs> I can no. feel his head above my ribs, but you know, I'm at peace with it. But the last thing I did that I thought I would share with you was I, I did hypnosis. I did a hypnosis did. video. And did you do that last time? I did. Didn't work last time. Thought maybe it would work <laughs> this time. It didn't, but it did hypnotize me. I oh. like, I was just listening to this recording. It was like 40 minutes long. It's like, you know, it's going you know, and then you, know, you may come in and out, but you will hear the important things. And then I was out, Angela. I was out like a light. And then I came to and I would hear head down. And then I would go back out again. Head down. Oh. <laughs> I go back. And then I heard five, four, three, two, wiggle your fingers and your toes. And I was like, whoa. That was so crazy. I just got hypnotized for 40 minutes. And at one point at the beginning, she goes, your eyelids are heavy. You're unable to open them. If you try, try to open your eyes. And I was like trying. And I was like, in my head, I remember thinking like, I could try harder to open my (laughs) eyes, but they're not opening very easy. And sounds like having sleep paralysis. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of. So anyways, it was very relaxing, but I didn't, my baby didn't turn. Um, so anyways, now I'm preparing myself for surgery. So that, that was my week while you were going viral. I was spending like two hours a day doing, doing weird shit. But it's cool to know that you're open to hypnosis. (laughs) So if you ever want to like quit smoking or something, not that you smoke, but 
I actually I thought of. about that. I was like, this was like so easy to do because it was a recording and I just put my earbuds in so it felt like they were in my head. And I was like, oh, you don't need to go to a, like an actual hypnotist. You can just listen to a recording. And I'm like, wow, I like was out. I should do this for other stuff. Like, like, can I just, I, I, I don't even know. Like what, what do I want to do? What should well, I, I hypnotize myself? So, Maybe like shopping a little bit less, like you never know, eating Ian's, sweets. But I, with I, Ian's insomnia, we've like tried everything and nothing works. But I've read a lot about how hypnotism can work for insomnia. So I have wanted him to try that for a long time. Maybe we can do it from home like you did. Oh, my God. Just get like on iTunes. Like, I mean, yeah, Google, I guess, see what's a good one for sleep so he doesn't get discouraged. Yeah. But yeah, it worked for me. I was out like a light. So that was what I was up to. That's it. Well, I'm sorry it didn't work, but I'm sure everything. Ian was a C-section baby. He was breached. Yeah. And he turned out not to be a serial killer. So is there any correlation with C-sections <laughs> and serial killers? Like, what? Oh, no, that's with breastfeeding. That's with breastfeeding. What? Because Ian and I were both not breastfed. And, and sometimes people are like, oh, like people that aren't breastfed are like turn out like crazy. And we're like, we're fine. Who says that? We're Those well adjusted. Are, are awful. I know. Also, it's like, you you know, not always the women, the woman's choice. Like sometimes her body exactly. just doesn't make milk. That's ev- that's awful. Um, all right. On that scary note, we're going <laughs> to jump into the mailbox. But first, let's take a quick sponsor break. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Organifi. Organifi is a line of organic superfood blends that offer plant-based nutrition with high quality ingredients and less than three grams of sugar. And we love Organifi because you can really mix it in anything. It's like these great powdery blends. And Angela and I recently discovered we're both very into smoothie bowls. We like a smoothie with some zhuzh, as some might call it. And this makes our smoothie that much more nutritionous and just delicious. Delicious. Yeah. It's, you know, it's Nutri- a smoothie is nu- with accessories. Is nutrition, nu- nutri- I feel like, I feel like I combined the word delicious and nutritious. And nutritious. It's nu- nutritionalist. Nu- I think I said nutritionalist, which I think we should start as like a word. We should pitch Organifi. <laughs> tell them, we're going to come up with a whole new line for you. Okay. Tell us about Organifi. Why do we love to yeah, They don't need their, our help. They're, they're great. They have zhuzh. They're convenient. So each superfood blend is easy to use by simply mixing it with water or your favorite beverage like a smoothie while on the go, providing you with quality nutrition throughout your day. It tastes great. Organifi takes pride and care in offering the best tasting superfood products on the market. They don't compromise quality for taste and all products are less than three grams of sugar and it's less than $3 a day. They've got all the important certifications you're probably looking for. USDA organic, gluten-free, dairy-free, soy-free, vegan, non-GMO, clinically proven ingredients, 100% organic whole food. We love all that. They've got the green juices, the red juice. They've got Organifi Gold, which I'm really into because it's got mushrooms. And I just keep reading about how great mushrooms are for you. So I'm all about that mushroom life. But uh, yeah, we're hooking it up as always. Head to Organifi.com slash this is why and use code this is why to get 15% off all orders. That's O-R-G-A-N. O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com slash this is why. I want to make sure I get that right for you guys. Use code this is why to get 15% off all orders. All right, Angela, what's in the mailbox? 
Okay. First up, we have a question from an anonymous listener and they write, I have a question. Of course they do. Um, they say, I'm an attorney and I work long hours. My partner has a lot more free time than me and I would like him to do more of the household work, laundry, cleaning, pet care, etc. We've communicated about him pulling more weight, but these tasks simply don't come naturally to him slash don't even occur to him. I'm afraid I will forever be stuck doing more work both in and out of our home and it's making me very anxious for the future. Anyway, any thoughts um, are appreciated and thank you very much for this podcast. Love listening to you guys. So I can really relate to this question. Yeah, I can really, Same. I can really relate. Okay, you you want to go first? Are, are you because you're the person that like doesn't like to do this kind of shit, right? Well, yeah, it was. So definitely you're the like, guy in this, right? I am the guy. <laughs> it was a learning curve for me, and like honestly, like this stuff is pretty serious. Um, it was something that Ian and I had to work out before we could even get engaged because, it, you know, if you're going to spend your life with somebody and one person's doing the majority of the work, there's going to be some resentment built, um, to say the least. So, and like I was like slacking and I had to improve that. Um, and it's, I, I do like how she uses the phrase, it doesn't come naturally to him because I feel kind of the same about certain things. Like I, we always say Ian's clean and I'm tidy. So like to me, I would much rather you spend your time like picking up your laundry off the floor and putting it away than like dusting, you know, like clutter bothers me. But so anyway, so um, I think that that changed because I I saw it as a priority and I saw it as an important thing for me to want to change. I mean, I still struggle with it, but like I saw where he was coming from. Yeah. So I think like it kind of starts with the other person. Um, and I think like we kind of figured out like what do I like to do? What am I good at around the house versus what are you good at? And like I kind of take ownership over those things, you know? Yeah. And then – the stuff and like we did. I, this is a very privileged thing, but we also pre pre COVID we had um, somebody come and help us clean once a month. Um, and we I have somebody come. That. Yeah, no, I do that too. My, I don't know. I don't know who's who gave me this advice, but they were like, "It's cheaper than couples therapy, like hiring out." Yeah, and if you can afford it and you feel safe, obviously we're in weird times, like. That can yeah, we don't do it anymore. But. Yeah, that can definitely help. Um, I got advice. I don't know if I read this somewhere, but it's important to also think about people's threshold for things. So what might bother you might not bother your partner. Yeah, that's so, what we have going on a little bit. Yeah. And so like he might have all this resentment or, or you might have all this resentment about about like the standard that you want your house and he might think it's perfectly fine. And so I think just having that discussion and just calling that out and almost just saying like, Hey, I know that you're not bothered when like laundry piles up, or I know that you're not bothered by, you know, dishes being in the sink, but like, it really bothers me. And it, and, and it makes, you know, it's hard for me to feel relaxed in the house and like focus on work and like enjoy my time with you. So I realize I'm asking you to do something that you don't really care about because it doesn't bother you. And, but it would mean a lot to me and kind of trying to frame it in that way. 
And then also just kind of having like a delegation of things. So like Nick's in charge of any light bulbs that go out in the house. And, and I've said, like, I just said to him one day, I was like, Hey, you know, let's just divide some stuff up. Like, can you be in charge of light bulbs and like the sheets and I will do like the towels and I don't even know what else I do, but, uh, like, you know, laundry, I do the laundry. Yeah. I don't do his laundry, but I do my laundry and I do our son's laundry. And, um, and we just like talked about it. And so that was really helpful. Other advice I've gotten is when you do delegate something, unless they're doing truly like an insanely shit job, like, like putting pans that are not supposed to go in the dishwasher, like in the dishwasher and you kind of need to like give them a heads up. Like once you've delegated something, like let them do the job that they do, you know? Yeah. And don't micromanage them on that job because that's just going to lead to resentment. And if they do step up to the plate, like let like if they don't fold the laundry the way you like it folded, like, oh, well, then that's maybe a task that you need to take and give them another task where, you know, so don't micromanage because that will just lead to resentment. So I think yeah. and it yeah. can discourage the other person from even wanting to keep doing it in the future. Right. So she says these tasks simply don't come naturally to him, don't even occur to him. And so I think hopefully that resonates with you with just wrecking, you know, tell him like, yeah, they don't occur to him, but that's not right or wrong. Everyone has a different threshold. Like, I think I'm actually pretty like OCD, like, you know, clean freak, but yet my, I don't really fold my clothes very well in my own drawers and I always leave drawers open and that drives Nick crazy. So like just different things bug different people and it doesn't make it right or wrong. And just make sure when you do want him to do something, just frame it as, you know, like one example is it's really important to me that the chain lock is on our door before we go to sleep. And Nick thinks it's totally stupid. He's like, our building is like secure and like, you know, that chain is not even that strong. <laughs> like, It's not going to do anything. Right. He's like, we don't need it on. But I have said like, it gives me peace of mind. I realize that you think, I realize that it's like maybe silly. And I just had to kind of validate his, him, his way of thinking to him and explain that I realize it's not important to you and that it's probably silly and it's probably a little paranoid but it's important to me and it makes me feel safe and it makes me be able to sleep a little better at night. So if you could please, when you come home after me, please put the chain lock on. And, and that, and that's like literally once I framed it that way and said, I, I validated that it wasn't important to him, but said, explained why it was important to me. I didn't try to change his mind and say like, it's crazy that you think, you know, that the chain lock doesn't need to be on. Like we could get murdered, you know, cause I wasn't going to change his mind. So I didn't right. try to. So Try that tactic with your partner instead of saying like, you know, there's dishes in the sink. Like, how can you live like this? Like, you're not going to – he's okay with it and like that's fine. So don't try to change his opinion on like the things that don't occur to him. Just explain to him that they're important to you and it's totally fine that they're not important to him. Yeah, I agree. All right. What else we got? Um, Well, next we have a listener. who It's not a question. They just had a suggestion for you, Laura, and I thought it was very – sweet and helpful one um so she says the subject line was another possibility for a baby name she says i just heard the podcast episode where laura is struggling to think of a middle name for her new baby boy and wondered if you already have a hyphenated name for your kids that incorporates lane if not maybe that could be an option for a middle name that honors your last name that is what my mom who never changed her last name when she married did so my middle name is her last name 
I really appreciate having her name in my name and how unique it is. And Lane also sounds like something that could be a boy's name anyway. If you already have a hyphenated last name for him, though, never mind. (laughs) But best wishes for a safe and healthy remaining pregnancy and delivery during these extra stressful times. So I thought this was really thoughtful. Um, I am not a fan of hyphenations just because I think they end up being like really complicated later when you're filling out like basically like paperwork or reservations or just like anything. So we we knew we didn't want a hyphenated last name. Um, it's actually funny that she said that she suggests this because my sister, who's younger than me, actually, which is funny, has my mom's maiden name as her middle name. And I was, and I'm the oldest one, so they didn't do it for me, but they did it for my younger sister. And I remember being like, "Well, that's not fair, <laughs> you know? Like, why does she get my mom's ma- name?" Maybe the as- idea didn't didn't occur to her until Molly yeah, came along. <laughs> maybe. Um, but spoiler alert: that's now my last name because I I now go by my mom's oh, maiden right. name. Anyway, um, it's not like a fake name. It's like my I changed it to my mom's maiden name. Yes. Um, uh, I think it, it like very much depends on what the name is and you have a great name for that. Yeah, like, I know Lane, I do. Lane is good. We almost gave the kids my last name, you know, but yeah. then I just like, I didn't feel like as strong of a connection to it because I did change it like late in life to my mom's last name or my mom. Yeah. Right. And, and I like, I didn't want, I felt like I would, it would be like, like I didn't want Nick's parents to think think it was like a personal thing in any way it, it was weird because I felt like my name was like it's not fake but it's like my mom I just have my mom's name but it felt like sort of fake and then yeah Nick goes by a shortened version of his last name and so his legal last name isn't even the one that he uses and so it was like I was like well we don't I don't want to give our kids your like legal last name that you don't go by and I didn't change I didn't when we got married I didn't change it we like we struggled right. then all three of you have a different last name right? so we do all three of us have a different oh, last name well what is legally Rilo's Rilo's oh legally legally Nick's name isn't legally rad nope oh so we all three have different last names so it's very confusing so I don't even want to throw like Lane in the mix for a middle name you know yeah it's just like confusing um but I like this. I'm still struggling over the middle name. Right now, I'm leaning towards Sunny. Oh, that's cute. Because I feel like Rilo's my little moon man. He loves the moon. and The sun and the moon. And and I know it's so cheesy, though. And, like, moon was Rilo's first name. So I feel like then I'm my little Sunny. And then Sunny, I do have a few family members whose names were Sunny that passed away. That was, like, their nickname or one, yeah. one real name and then one nickname. So I was like, I feel a familial connection to it moon but i i like i really i feel like the middle name has to have some kind of significance it because it's just yeah. like it's more symbolic since nobody ever uses the first it. one is more like one that you pick because you like right it's just yeah you got to give it's like the first it's like the name they're gonna be called for their whole life just pick an aesthetic one that you like like don't overthink it just pick an aesthetic name that you think is the most cool and beautiful right. and, but you're then, cool saying every day every fucking day this person has to live with that name like do not pick it based on some family thing like I am so against that because I don't yeah and you and I we both don't love our first names so I think just like pick a name you like for the first name and then go with symbolic for the middle name that's how I feel about it 
but I'm truly struggling because we just don't have anything. So I'm still kind of struggling with it. Also, is Sunny, does that feel like mafia to you? Like, I feel like. <laughs> well, it depends on how you spell it. I was going to say, <laughs> are you going to do S-U-N-N-Y or S-O-N-N-Y? Because I was doing the, S- the U, I, I think. Okay, that's more like sun in the sky. Like S-O-N-N-Y is like Sunny Bono, yeah, which, yeah. you know, <laughs> is a thing. fun but different. <laughs> right. Um, I really appreciate the thoughtful email. Um, we have just a complicated name situation in our family. Yeah. Um, if any of you listeners want any questions answered or if you've got any other tips or ideas, email us at contact at thisiswhythepodcast.com. You can also find all of our contact info on our website at thisiswhythepodcast.com and you can slide into our DMs on Instagram. Next, we're going to talk about what's in the news, but first, let's thank a sponsor. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Coors Light. Do you ever feel like you're always on, Angela? Like, what do you do when you need a moment to chill? I do. I mean, I'm recording a podcast right now. I have to be on. You have to be on. But what I really want to do is just kick back and drink a beer. Yeah, I can't. You know, I can't wait till I can kick back and drink a beer. Right now, I'm growing a human. But Nick, he (laughs) he likes to kick back and drink a beer. Um, and you like to kick back and drink a beer. And I do. It's it's a great way to chill. And the thing I think is so cool about Coors Light is they're really fun bottles. I love the bottles because you know. Yes, tell us about the bottles, the mountains. The, the mountains on the bottles and the cans. I don't know if you guys have ever noticed this, but they turn blue when your beer is cold. It's so fun. It's, it's, the, it's the only beer that's literally made to chill. It's like a science project. It is. Um, you always know when it's time to chill. You always know when your beer is at the perfect temperature to take a sip. So when you need to hit reset, you just open Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Uh, check them out. See if you can get those mountains to 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 chill. Get those mountains to chill. That's why, uh, yeah, Coors Light. It's the one that you can choose when you want to unwind. So when you are ready to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Um, I like that because I'm all about those subscription or delivery services these days. Uh, and of course, celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Angela, what have you been reading about? So it was announced that Malia Obama is going to join the writing staff of Donald Glover's new Amazon project, which is pretty cool. I mean, like we we all know that she's had an interest in Hollywood stuff for a while. She um she was an intern for the Weinstein Company back in 2017. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be on her resume, but um. But that was well, before the luckily. Canceled. Luckily, she has some other connections. Um, I remember and, seeing pictures of her on the set of HBO's Girls. Right? Yeah, she was an intern for Girls, and apparently, she was a production assistant um, on a Halle Berry drama called Extant, which I didn't even know about. I but, didn't. So I she, didn't know about that either. But she's yeah. So she's been like, she showed a very, very young when she was very young. She showed an interest in production and wanting to yeah be on the this hollywood path the obamas now have like a have like a netflix deal right or something like but i guess i guess maybe she doesn't want she doesn't want to just work on her dad and mom's show she's like no i'm gonna go do my own thing right but i mean you can't deny she is connected via her family which is why i think it's i think that she she's put the work in and she's 
probably very talented. She goes to Harvard. She's a very smart girl. But I, the way E! Online opened their article about this is they wrote, Malia's new job is sure to make all the other 22-year-olds out there feel like total slackers. Okay, like, that's the stupidest way to me? start the fucking article. She is the daughter of a former president. Like, if you're not a 22-year-old with a writing job with Donald Glover, I don't think it's necessarily because you're a slacker. I mean, no. you might not have had all and this the advantages. Is, this is nothing against Malia. This is against the writer of this E! Online article that just was really stretching that day or, like, had to turn this article out in, like, five minutes and was just, like, jotted that away. But, like, it's offensive. Yeah. It's a little ridiculous. But uh, the show sounds really interesting. Obviously, like, Donald Glover and Malia Obama right there. You have my interest. But um, it's said to center on a – Beyonce type public figure. Um, cool. So, oh, I can't wait for the show. Yeah, I'm and very also, excited. You know, I think Malia is probably the perfect person to write on a show like that because if you're focusing on somebody that's like as high profile as a Beyonce-ish type figure, like only, you know, Malia, if you want a cool young 22-year-old's perspective, there's not many tw- young 22-year-olds that have been around such high-profile people like Beyonce, your dad, yeah. like or celebrities. Like, honestly, her herself. Like, I mean, she's had cameras following her since right. she was a kid. But she so, probably yeah. has so many stories that she'll be able to kind of pull from in the writer's room. And, like, that's what you do in writer's rooms is you just – you, like, pull from stories in your life or stories of your friends' lives and, like, you know, use it to come up with material. So if this – and if you want like a yeah, perspective of like a young person, you're good luck finding like you know, there's not a lot of young people that have had the experiences and seen the stories she's seen. So I'm I bet just being in that writer's room is gonna be so cool hearing like the stories she comes up with. Yeah. So we will see. It will be on Amazon. Um, what are you reading about? So very different. I was reading the New York Times and they wrote the most popular pet names of the century. I think over at the New York Times, they're also like stretching for stories. <laughs> but I was like uh, – But I would I would click on that in a heartbeat yeah, though. Yeah, so. I clicked on it. So a survey of tombstones from the oldest continually operating pet cemetery in the U.S. reveals a passion for the name Princess. Oh, Prin- my mom's dog growing up was named Princess. Of course. Okay, there you go. So there you go. They called her Prinny. I should have – I I – I like spoiled it. I guess I should have asked you what you thought the name was, but too late. All right. This is written by Ezra Marcus. So a lot of Americans name their pet princess. Um, 80,000 pets are buried. Uh, They found that on average, more than one in 100 animals were named princess. Uh, Wow. Yeah. Guess. Okay. Guess what the top cat name is. Um, let's see. What's like a, a typical cat name? Felix. No. You would that's... you would think, but maybe too obvious. Uh Tiger. Oh, Tiger. Yeah. Um Cute. according to the survey that they did, the most common dog names back in the 30s and 40s was Queenie and Tippy. In the 60s, it was Lady. Maybe when did Lady and the Tramp come out? Feel like could have been the 60s. Maybe. I don't know. Um in the 70s it was Brandy. I wonder where that came from. I don't know. Huh. Oh, like the song. Isn't there a song, Brandy? Maybe. In the 80s and the 90s was Max, which feels very obvious. Um, Because I feel like if you're trying to write like a cliche of a dog name, you'd be like Max, you know? Yeah. Um, 
And yeah, the way they write that the way that people refer to their pets changes on a lot of old dog graves. They call them gentlemen. Like he was a great, he was a great gentleman. He lived like a gentleman. That's actually something that Ian and I love to do whenever we see like a dog in the neighborhood. We're like, look at that little gentleman. Hello, sir. (laughs) Well, you're you're right. You're right. I didn't. You're right there with um, with a the old timey the old timey people. (laughs) I Uh, had no idea. In the 19th century, that's when Americans began bringing pets, which formerly lived primarily outdoors, into their homes, and this shift sparked new heights of familial love and affection. Um, so this I thought was really funny. You uh, pet some or human cemeteries do not allow you to be like buried with your pet, so some owners choose to be buried at the pet cemetery. Oh my god! <laughs> because they want to be buried with their pet. But they can't do that at a human cemetery, so they're just like, fuck it, bury me at the dog cemetery. (laughs) I would much rather be buried around like a bunch of cute little animals, sure. Yeah. Um, Perhaps more universally, pet cemeteries, they allowed people to openly express grief in a way that's not really accepted. Much elsewhere, they say, you know, you don't get the same kind of treatment when your dog died as when your brother dies, of course, or when your friend dies. But if you really think about it, you know, you're with your pet usually more than you are with like any other human in your life, you know, other than your, your spouse typically, or your children. So when your pet dies, it's like, it's, it's tragic. So anyways, there's a pet cemetery and, um, those are the trends. And I thought it was, I thought it was interesting. It's fun. I mean, me, my, one of my favorite hobbies is coming up with names for future dogs that I hope to get. So what's the, what's the lead contender? The lead contender. I mean, obviously, you have to like meet the dog and make sure the personality matches. Obviously, but uh, I really one day would like a dog named Biali. Love. Okay, that's or cute. Bagel. Biali or Bagel. Or if it's like a really skinny dog, sometimes I don't know where this came from. But I like, like Bagel. I want to name them Chicken Wing. Chicken Wing. Uh, I don't like that as much. <laughs> I gotta be honest. I, I maybe just because I like don't eat chicken. It, it, it just of, makes me laugh. It grosses me out. But I love Bagel for a name for a dog. We were choosing. S- our dog's name is Samo. We were watching like the Basquiat documentary and we we're like, yeah. that'd be a cool name for a dog. Um, the other name that we were going to go with was Potato. I just like the name Potato. I like Potato. I like the name Potato. So yeah, I love the name Potato for a dog. And we're like, we could always call them Tate. But um, yes. I was like, yeah. So it was either Samo or Potato. All right. On that note, it's time for our topic of the week. <laughs> This week's topic is fairness in the household. Yes. So one thing I really try to keep in mind is not having things be tit for tat. We've never spent more time at home right now. And the more time you spend at home, it really means the more chores you have because you're using your towels more, you're using dishes more, you're getting your place dirtier more. So I think like household chores and that kind of dynamic, whether it's between your partner your or your roommates... Uh, it's coming up more and more for people. And the tit for tat thing can really create a lot of resentment. Sometimes there's an ebb and flow to who does what, you know, like sometimes if you're really busy at work, you know, your partner's got to step it up around the house and then, you know, vice versa. Hopefully you've got your partner's back. That being said, you know, sometimes it's just not even and you're going to need to talk about it. So one thing I've heard from the pandemic is, 
you know, not to gender it, but this is just what I've been reading in, in articles is a lot of men have really learned a lot about how much women were actually doing. And so that's been helpful. Like until they see it with their eyes, you know, they kind of didn't realize how much their partner had been doing. And I think this could be said about any relationship. Like if somebody was just around the house more and somebody was, was more at the office working longer hours, you maybe just didn't know all the little things that it takes to like run a house and like all the, all of the tiny little things that, that, that people do that you don't even notice. Like maybe you just don't even, you just was like, Oh yeah, there's always toilet paper. There's, it's always there. Or like there's light bulbs are always there, you know? And you don't think about like people need to buy all that stuff and like refill it and all that kind of stuff. So, which is so weird to me though, because that is like, did you never live on your own? You know, like when when I meet, because I know there are men, Again, not to gender it, but a lot of men like that that are just like, where's where's dinner? Where's, you know, oh, the garbage is overflowing. Why is the – like, who's going to take it out? <laughs> right. Like, yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, I don't understand these men that like just go – I guess they go right from their mom to their wives. I guess so. So we're going to talk about our own personal relationships and who does what. But first, I thought we'd go through some tips. I was just like Googling fairness in the household and – you know, divvying stuff up and found this on some random website I've never heard of, but they had some good tips <laughs> called okay. the everygirl.com. It was the article is called like split chores with your partner. So number one, discuss your frustrations when you and your partner are calm. If there's one thing that you should remember for any and all arguments, it's to never discuss how you feel about a situation when your emotions are at an all time high. This should be for really like any discussion you want to have. Um, hit, hit us with number two. Number two is be understanding of each other's uh, of each of your histories. So she says, remember that each of us grew up in different households. It's very common for people to believe that the way things were done in their childhood home is the right way, but the truth is that there is no right way to do anything. I think that's very true. Yeah, and this is important. It kind of goes to what I was saying earlier. Different things bother different people. So express it as a need for you. You know, I tell Nick I work better and I'm happier when the house is clean. I tell him I feel safe and realize it's crazy because I, you know, need the chain lock on. I don't care if it's an irrational. So just, and even just for yourself, recognize it as your need uh, for you. I also think like something that's been related to that that's been like important in our relationship is unlearning things. Like so Ian's mom, like if you if you were to like spill a little water or something when he's pouring himself a drink, that would really upset her. So like if he spills like a little thing, he like apologizes and he gets all upset and and, and like you kind don't of care, like, yeah. I don't well and like I'm just like it's okay, you can clean it up, it's all right. And like I think that so as much as like learning how important it is to clean in the same ways as each other. It's like also being like, no, you can, that's all right. And like being more relaxed, like that's also been a a fun learning thing for the two of us. Nick is like a coaster Nazi and like, it actually- I'm a bit of a coaster Nazi. I kind of like, (laughs) it doesn't like, yeah, like I- I would probably just like put my cup down. I'm like, oh, never. There's a ring. There's a ring. But like, I mean, or maybe the ring would bother me at some point, but- like if Nick sees like water on the table or yeah, like my cup, not on a coaster, he'll literally just like, he actually is really great about it. Cause he doesn't say anything or give me shit. He just picks it up and puts a coaster on. <laughs> and, but like, I secretly know, like, and I, he, without him even saying, I'm like, Oh, sorry. I forgot the coaster. Cause I just like acknowledge that it's his need, you know? And I'm, yeah. it doesn't bother me. I'm like, yeah, I'll put it on a coaster. Like this is his need. It's fine. Um, 
So, yeah. Um, okay, number four, pick specific days to complete household chores. So I found this helpful, too, early on in the pandemic when we were literally on, like, legit lockdown. I was like, on Fridays, you do the sheets and I do the towels. Is that okay? Like, we need to divvy shit up. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, yeah, and that's helpful. Um, number five is don't criticize how they choose to accomplish their chores, which is something we kind of touched on before. She says, if you don't like the way your partner does something, then switch it up, take over paying the bills. If you feel like you could do a better job, but don't tell them how to do it unless they ask for help. Yep. Um, uh, have an open running dialogue with your partner. The laundry list of chores that needs to get done is never ending. Um, what I do when I need, you know, when there's like shit around the house that starts to build up before I get annoyed by it, I make a list for Nick and what, and this, my list used to like really piss him off. Cause he would be like, I don't make lists for you. And then I'd be like, yeah, that's because I do more things. And like, you don't need, you know, like, like, of course you don't need to make a list for me. Cause I do so much and like, you know, and like it would turn into a fight before I, you know, like very early on in our relationship. But I also think that's something that comes down to like, I'm sure he thought he was doing things. They just weren't things that you thought of as helpful. <laughs> sure. Or he's like, not that show. Yeah, for sure. So now what I do is I still make my list because it's just helpful. And I like, I need him to do this stuff. And if I don't write it down, he's like, not going to do it. Um, but I say like, I say, hey, I really, I'm a little overwhelmed and I really need your help with stuff. And I make it more about like your help. It's not like, can you please do this stuff? Because, you know, I don't make it like a negative. I just say like, I'm feeling really overwhelmed and stressed out. If you have time, like I would really appreciate your help. I made a little list <laughs> and it helps. Um, and uh, then, num yeah. Number eight is show gratitude. I think we skipped, I think we, we skipped number six because it was stupid. So anyways, oh. now, we're, now we're at number eight. We're not even going to tell you what it was. It was just stupid. Okay. Number eight, show gratitude. At the end of the day, it's important to show appreciation to your partner, especially during the early stages of this new routine. Yeah. So say thank you. I Acknowledge that you see what they have done. I am I, – I notice this works with – it works with pets. It works with kids. It works with partners. <laughs> like positive reinforcement is the way to go. Like people want people that like are thankful and show gratitude and like are appreciative of what they do and like I'm just such a believer in positive reinforcement at the end of the day I go I go Rilo like it was so nice how you like you know said hello to the neighbor and like it really made them feel good like thank you so much Nick for blah 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 and then my dog gets a treat so positive <laughs> reinforcement and then we talked about this if you can afford it yes it's privileged but like hire somebody you know if you both hate cleaning the house hire somebody and um yeah, it's it's a luxury. It may not be safe right now during the pandemic. So, but it's it's a thing. It's also it's, it's an also option. Something, it's an option and you don't have to have a person come every week. We used to have someone come every month. You can have somebody come every other month. Like just something to you know, fill in the gaps in between. You still you'll still have to be doing some work, but it's having some outside help. Right. Uh and then I figured just real quick before we wrap up like a few examples of how Angela and I divvy things up in our own home. So when it comes to the dog, by far Nick walks the dog the most. And like if it's late at night and it's cold, like that's going to be Nick walking the dog. But I deal with all appointments, vaccines. I order the dog food. I order all supplies. I make all doctor dog appointments. Um, and then, but then I'll ask Nick sometimes to like 
take the dog to the appointment. You know, like I made an appointment. I can't do it. So yeah, dishes, it's about even. We kind of switch it up for like who's emptying the dishwasher. Um, I used to do a lot more, but honestly with having a kid, it's become a little close to even. Like I've gotten like at the beginning of having a child, it was like, you know, it's all me, but cause it's like my body and like, you know, it was like yeah. mom, but, um, but now, yeah, like tonight Nick did the bath and he's taken over the bedtime routine. So yeah. Um, what about you, Angela? I do think that like pandemic life has really put a spotlight for all of us on like who does the chores and, uh, I think everybody's probably doing more chores right now. I think that I spend like 50% of my time doing dishes, honestly. Um, but yeah, I do the dishes. I Ian says he likes the way I make the bed. Uh, I don't know if that's just a ploy to get me to make the bed, but uh, I do that. And Nick, yeah, Nick makes the bed. I don't even like – even if I'm the last one out of the bed, I'm just like I'm not doing it because it doesn't – it bothers me a little bit if it's unmade, but like I think Nick gets joy out of it. And so I'm just like, I don't even touch it. He and he'll he'll literally make the bed an hour before we go to sleep sometimes. Like it's so weird. If I've <laughs> yeah. So they're like I, I went to a um some like productivity talk once and like they were like you, like making your bed at the start of every day just like changes your whole outlook. And I did read a study, I think we read it on the podcast like years ago about how people are happy people are happier who make the bed. Yes. So I mean I did early on in like the pandemic, I that was something like when I was cleaning and trying to like make the place look tidier, that was always like the first thing I did because it just it was something that had a that's quick and it makes a big difference. So it always makes me feel good. So I like doing making the bed. Um and like we both cook. Ian takes a lot of joy out of cooking. So sometimes I let him do it more. Um, he does a lot of, like I said before, he does more cleaning and I do more tidying. Nice. Um, and that that works for us. Well, we hope this gave you guys some ideas and leads to a clean and happy household. That is it for this week. So this is why podcasts. Check out our book, This Is Why You're Single, my new book, Cinderella and the Glass Ceiling and Other Feminist Fairy Tales. And you get hooked up with discounts from all of our sponsors. For a full list of our sponsors and the code, check out our podcast page on thisiswhythepodcast.com. We are also on social, so you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at thisiswhypodcast. Please like and subscribe on iTunes. And thank you for listening. Tune in next week for a whole new show. Bye. Bye. This is why, this is why, pop culture, politics, friendship, dating, work, parenting, news. This is why, the podcast. That was a HeadGum Podcast.